Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the SAP Cloud Platform Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Horn. And I'm Moya Watson, and we're coming to you today from lovely, rainy Palo Alto, California. That's right, and it's been a while since we've actually been in the studio together, huh, Moya? That's right, we had to do it separately last time. I think you were over in Las Vegas or something. That's right, still didn't win any money, so it's, uh, oh, it's so I'm back here again. We've got a really great show for you today. I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to start out with what's new. So Mike's going to bring you some of the key features since our last podcast. That was thanks to Manju. That was um, about three weeks ago. That's right. And then after that, I guess we're going to be. You're going to have a nice special interview with talk about uh, what's going on between SAP and iOS, right? Yeah, I'm very excited that I get to talk to John, Robin, and Scott. So we'll bring you that, and then we'll close as always with what's around the corner. Yeah, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, Mike, do you have a, a wrap on what's been new in the last couple of releases? I do. So now let's take a look at some of the things we've updated on top of the platform since the last podcast. Did you know that you can now browse all the services on top of the platform without logging in? Just select services from the navigation pane on the left-hand side of the cockpit. So for those of you who are interested in seeing our services but are still a little shy about signing up for an account, you're now going to be able to do so. Just go to hanatrial.ondemand.com. For the users of our application management solution that is currently in beta, you'll be able to use this solution to combine on-premise and cloud-based web applications in the same browser window, and the SAML authentication can be preserved even with the browser redirect. For the SAP Cloud Platform integration, there are some new and updated features. For the new features, the SOAP 1X receiver adapters has had some updates, such as you're going to be able to clean up the adapter-specific headers after the receiver call. You can also use principal propagation as an authentication setting. You can use the location ID to connect to a cloud connector to your account. There's a JSON to XML converter that's now available, and there's also various usability improvements that's going to make your interaction a little bit more simplified. Some of the enhancements are you can change what you're doing during the modeling. There's support for role-based authentication as well as batch processing for the success factors of data. In the area of predictive services, there's a new clustering service that's going to allow you to get some segmentation results into the SAP HANA database table or view. And if you want more details on this, there's documentation that's going to help guide you through what exactly this means. In OData provisioning, there's some improvements for filtering on navigation properties as well as filtering on the metadata. For our connectivity users, the SAP Cloud Platform Cloud Connector 2.9.1 has the following improvements. There's an updated UI that fixes some of the previous issues, and you're going to be able to trigger a thread from, from the log and trace files view. Now moving on to persistence, the SAP HANA revision 122.08, that's 122.08, is now supported on top of the platform. For the persistence service, you'll be able to set limits for the memory consumptions per each of the SAP HANA MDC tenant databases through the cockpit. We've also renamed the smart data streaming to just SAP Cloud Platform Streaming Analytics. Again, that's SAP data streaming is now known as SAP Cloud Platform Streaming Analytics. With respect to tools, you'll no longer have an issue when you specify an SDK during the runtime definition in Eclipse. What had happened was the default SDK kept on overriding what you had defined, so this is no longer going to be an issue. We've also made some updates to the beta Cloud Foundry service. So for those using this service, there's a whole host of updates, too many to talk about in this update without getting you lost. 
So I'm going to suggest you go directly to the re release notes for this one. Lastly, there's a few announcements. Documentation has officially moved to help.sap.com and will no longer be available on help.hana.ondemand.com. So just go to help.sap.com, which is much simpler and much simpler to say as well. Also, beginning May 20th, the standard regular maintenance window for SAP Cloud Services will be harmonized, and some of the SAP Cloud Services will start to offer zero downtime maintenance, which means that these services will remain online while regular maintenance is being performed. Again, for more details about any of these or any of the bug fixes we've included in our releases, please go to the release notes, which now can be found on simply help.sap.com. And in wrapping it up, let me know if this format of sharing the updates for you works. Um, you know, is it too detailed? Is it too confusing? Tweet us at either SAP, at SAPCP or me directly at the SAP mic. That's at T-H-E-S-A-P-M-I-C. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Always great to hear the wrap on what's new from you. Also, another major announcement, of course, was that on March 30th, SAP released the SAP Cloud Platform SDK for iOS. And I'm excited now to bring you the next part of the podcast that talks about exactly that. Okay, I'm very happy today to have three very special guests joining us on the podcast. Uh, first, we have Jan Penikoff, and Jan is a solutions architect and SAP mentor. He's been active with SAP Cloud Platform for a very long time. Hi, Jan. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. We also have joining from the same country, Robin van Hethoff, uh, proprietor at Qualiture. You're also an SAP mentor, also active with SAP Cloud Platform for a long time, right, Robin? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Robin, and then the, also joining us, we have Scott Stedman from the SAP standpoint. Scott is a director of solution management for mobile apps at SAP, part of the mobile innovations team. Hi, Scott. Hello, Moya. Great to have the opportunity to speak again. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, all three of you. We have a kind of well-rounded standpoint on what iOS and SAP are doing with each other. Um, and I'm going to turn to you, Scott, first for that. Um, it was almost it was almost exactly a year ago. Uh, it was May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2016, where SAP and Apple made a very special announcement. And then less than a year later, on March 30th, we sort of did, did another follow-up. Uh, maybe you can give us some context. What did we announce, and what did we just release recently? Sure. Um, and so just to set the stage a little bit, on May 5th um, last year, when we came to do the announcement, we had two we had multiple locations where the announcements were taking place. So for SAP, it was taking place in Germany as well as here in Palo Alto and in Cupertino at Apple, where we announced our partnership <clears throat> and basically at the time unveiled what we would be doing. Um, at SAP, unusual, only 200 people knew about it. Yeah. which is very unusual for SAP. We usually are very free and open about all the information that we exchange, but it was very secretive. I, didn't, the, I didn't even know about it. Um, I knew about it two days before, I think, because I had to send some tweets out about it. That was a very, very interesting time indeed. So you were one of the interfold, right? Uh, at the time, yes. Um, and I, only, I was only brought in in January to, to get working on some of the PowerPoints and the presentations. But um, So what we actually put together um, in all the discussions between SAP and Apple, they wanted this to be a constructive 
and collaborative um, partnership, not a, a marketing-based partnership where we basically put some money aside and then we basically do some joint marketing together. So we actually built something, and that was the announcement at Mobile World Congress um, that we would um, have live by the end of March. Um, the SDK, and we would actually have our first applications available on March um, at the end uh, at the end of March as well. So between the May 5th time period um, and and to be honest, we had it available for customers, but only for the customers in the early adoption program um, in December. So the SDK for a small select few, about 12 customers, we wanted them to try it out, provide us with feedback, and then we actually included some of those items into the SDK between um, December and, and the March uh, release. But um, so we launched at the time was the SDK for iOS um, that would be available through the SAP Cloud Platform. And okay. then we announced also um, three applications. One is the Mentor app, and then the um, Project Companion or the Project Management applications. And the iOS Academy, you could actually sign up for, um, uh, there's actually a roadmap, learning roadmap for the iOS Academy as well. So people could start signing up for classes um, for that as well. So this is to help developers move along. Okay, so there's a great uh, wealth of information out there for people to get started. Um, also that day, or leading up to that day, because everyone knew it was going to be March 30th, since I'm on the community and on SAP Cloud Platform's Twitter, I saw a lot of people really getting actively engaged in this conversation about iOS and SAP and ABAP and is it the death knoll of ABAP and what, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to learn a new language. Um, I was very impressed with... I guess the buzz and the conversations that uh, we we haven't seen the likes of that in in quite a while sort of fired up around this announcement and two two of you in particular Robin and Jan came up with a couple of great blogs that day as well and so I'd like to draw attention and maybe some questions around the, one of the first ones which was uh, your blog Robin on that day March 30th which was called functional programming with Swift and you said in that blog. For many SAP developers, uh, quote, the Swift programming language has been a remote affair. You probably haven't written a program in Swift. Maybe you haven't heard of Swift at all, which is a pity because I tend to think of Swift as a beautiful, elegant, and modern language. Robin, you have some experience with that. So uh, what, are the, what are the basics? What is this Swift? What does it have to do with SAP Cloud Platform, and why is, why is all of this important? Well, I think uh, first, if you look at uh, Swift as a language, just uh, yeah, the language itself, I think it's uh, beautiful and elegant in a way because it helps developers uh, create code which is uh, safer, um, yeah, less prone to errors. Um, at first, that might uh, make it more difficult because you have uh, to create your code in a really strict way. But uh, of course, the end result is that uh, the end result is has uh, yeah less bugs, obviously. So just back and up, just very basically, Swift is Apple's programming language. This yeah, is it's Apple's programming language. Um, so it's for people based who don't on, know, uh, it's and it's beautiful. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's based on uh, Objective C, um, but it's yeah written. Partially from the ground up, uh, yeah, to make it yeah, general purpose. Uh, they call it also multi-paradigm, uh, whatever that may be. But it's uh, yeah, it's the most yeah. In, in my opinion, it's, it's the most elegant uh, language ever. If you compare it to, for instance, uh, Java or JavaScript or 
maybe even ABAP. And I think uh, every developer who uh, who likes to learn uh, yeah, a new language or uh, cares about uh, beautiful code should have a look at the Swift programming language. The most elegant language ever. And it's only three years yeah. old, you said, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, it started. In, it's uh, first appeared in 2014, if I'm correct, and then it uh, yeah evolved uh, yeah pretty rapidly. But I think it was first announced in uh, or released in 2014. So yeah, three years. How long have you been working with it? I started working in it, I think, after uh, WWDC in 2015, uh, because then it was also available to uh, yeah supply apps to the App Store created with uh, Swift. That's when I started to have a look at it, but that was uh, version two, and now there's version three, which is yeah significantly uh, yeah improvement upon uh, version two. So it, yeah, it's it's a rapidly changing uh, language, but for the good. So only two years, and it managed to become the most elegant language ever for you. That's that's great. That's so those people who you've never heard of it, if you pick it up today by 2019, you'll you'll love it. Apparently. <laughs> That's not uh, that's not too long to invest, I would say, to change your life. Um, Jan and Scott, do you agree with the this this assessment of Swift? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful language, and I think also uh, one of the advantages of Swift is that it's not difficult to learn. Um, uh, the, the 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 learning curve is not as steep as um, um, many other languages are. Also, if you have a little bit of experience in JavaScript and Java, then the um, uh, learning of picking up Swift is uh, is actually quite easy. Well, uh, and Jan, Jan, since you are uh, talking about your perspective, I, I also wanted to give a shout out to the blog you put out that day, which was maybe coming at it. I mean, I like these two blogs together because they're coming at it from different perspectives. So Robin, you're addressing the SAP developer who has never maybe even seen Swift or thought of developing an iOS app. And then Jan, you, you put out a blog uh, called The Influence of the SDK for iOS on SAP and the iOS Community. So you attended one yeah. one conference at the VNSG Developers Day. And then the very next day you went to the App DevCon and then you yep. compared what you saw there. Well, first of all, these communities are completely different, um, both in demographics and of course the tool change that they're using. Um, well, if you look at the VNSG developers, the, the SAP traditional SAP developers, they're more geared towards the enterprise applications, while um, the, the folks that were at AppDevCon are more into consumerish applications, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, that's also my. That's also why there's a reference to, for instance, Firebase in there. Um, um, so well, what is Firebase? I'm not sure. Firebase is actually an, a, a platform that allows you to quick, pretty quickly develop applications and synchronize uh, data from a database to multiple devices. Um, I'd say this is more the consumerish type of um, what we would call the SAP, SAP uh, cloud platform, um, including its mobile services. Now, if it comes down to enterprise uh, application development, then I believe that, and, and you have to glue things like success factors and SAP ERP systems and field glass and all the uh, cloud offerings that SAP currently has uh -huh. uh, together, then I don't believe that there's anything that comes close to the SAP cloud platform and if you want to mobilize that, then of course things like um, the Capsule plugin that we had in Cordova, but also the iOS 
um, SDK is the is probably the only thing that is um, available for uh, enterprise application developers at the moment. Um, so that's one of the things that I've concluded for the um, traditional SAP developers, um, that if they want to build um, enterprise mobile enterprise applications, that there's only basically one offering that they should be looking at, and that's the offering by SAP. Mm -hmm. um, so what, from, is the, what does Firebase have to do with Xcode? And you mentioned Xcode in passing, but we should probably oh, right. talk about what that's <laughs> about too. Yeah. Well, Xcode is Firebase is basically doing something quite similar. You could see Firebase as the as the HANA of um, of Google. Of well, it's it's been it's been bought by Google really. So it's it's basically containing a database, but on top of that database they have built a platform, and on top of that platform they've also built an SDK. Quite similar to what SAP did with uh, first the HANA database, the cloud platform, and on top of that the uh, iOS SDK. Okay. So it's quite comparable if you like, but while uh, the Firebase and SDK on top of Firebase is more to the consumer end, things like um, you know ads and ad serving and that sort of, sort of things are included. Um, things at the other spectrum of SAP are more towards like predictive and analytics and gluing all the cloud offerings together. So it's more to geared towards the enterprise uh, segment, really. Um, so those, guy, those guys at the app DevCon, they were very used to working with things like Firebase. Okay. And, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that once, they, uh, once SAP positions the cloud platform and also the iOS SDK as the, um, how you say, the, uh, uh, the peer of Firebase, but then yeah. for the enterprise market, mm -hmm. then it would be quite obvious for them to pick on, uh, to take on the um, iOS SDK offering as well. Mm -hmm. So that's at least at least my hope there, um, because really, if you look at the SDK itself, it's got so much um, uh, code uh, ready made already and tested and stuff uh, for those enterprise applications that it would be a waste if iOS developers would just go around it and build everything themselves and uh, implement things like authentication and SAML and stuff all by themselves or by uh, third-party libraries while it's also an all, uh, while it's already so nicely integrated into one uh, SDK uh, provided by SAP. Uh -huh. What do you think about that, Scott? I mean, I know you're inside here. Um, it's kind of the same pair. We're talking about different, yeah. different different people, diff completely different, as you said, Jan, and yet the underlying basis is the same. You go from a database to a platform into an SDK. It's just using different tools. Well, I think that the point here is, so when we look at our customers and what they're trying to do, um, SAP is not the only one with disparaging backends at customers. So when you look at it from even an Android perspective or iOS perspective or just apps, all of our customers are trying to figure out how they can get their end users working smarter, faster, more efficiently, and get them using it at the point where they need it, as opposed to having to go back to their desk. And some of our customers were actually seeing that <clears throat> their their force, uh, their workforce is retiring, and then we have new users coming in. And they want to attract mm -hmm. those new employees. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do it by giving them a laptop. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it by giving them a handheld device. Huh. So as we try to accomplish that challenge 
the ability to innovate in something that's not the back-end system and to transform that business process is really what they're all trying to do, to bring together both procurement, finance, um, CRM sales information, the analytical information, and the communication and collaboration capabilities that are all of our end users are screaming for. Um, that is a big uh, sort of transformational step that we're trying to get to when we get the enterprise apps. It's not just the um, story of what we've been doing with Fury, which is timesheet entry, um, workflow approvals. It's really looking and seeing that next level application, which is what we've been delivering into consumer apps for years. We now need to take that and put that into the enterprise space. And in order to do that, this is where the iOS SDK sort of comes into play. This is where the cloud platform ability to bring that data together um, yeah, from multiple different backends is going to really help us to achieve that. That's the big, I think that's the big change that we've seen right, right now or lately. Yeah, so for you guys, for you guys Jan and, and Robin, uh, again, Jan, you said this is a completely different set of demographics coming together. So the folks working on iOS and the folks working on SAP. Um, and yet you two managed to bridge that gap. So how, how do you, th what is the secret here for, for bridging the gap? I think, Robin, you said, you know, you just, you just always are open to learning a new language. Yeah, I, I think as a developer, uh, you have to stay curious, uh, of course. Um, Always, yeah, look uh, for, for the next wave or the, the, the next big thing. Keep up with the news, probably. Um, I can't speak for other developers, of course, but uh, I think it's in the general, and, and I'm generalizing probably, but I think it's in the general developer mindset to uh, to be curious and, and, and then try out new things. And I think uh, if you're an SAP developer, um, yeah, of course, uh, native application is probably something new. But also for iOS developers uh, who probably have an assignment to work with this pesky SAP uh, backend system, uh, this SDK will be a tremendous help. Now we we also tend to hear a lot of you know ABAP ABAP developers is ABAP ABAP is eternally you know this is the death knell of ABAP, um, but it's still hanging on there. I mean, is this really the opposite or, or something that means you never work with ABAP again, or, or are you always still going to need ABAP since it's part of the back end? Yeah, this is yeah that's always a back end, right? Exactly. So the, 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 the iOS SDK proposition is not about the back end. And, um, you know, there, there's one thing that's, that is changing, and that's the fact that SAP is not betting on a monolith anymore. So it's not betting on the SAP ERP system anymore. Um, uh, solely and, and entirely. So we have uh, things like success factors and field class and Ariba now as well. And um, the ERP system, the traditional ERP system, is definitely not the only system anymore. Uh -huh. But it's going to be around for a while. Even <laughs> the lightest no, weight, no... right? Even the lightest Sorry? weight, even the lightest weight uh, mobile app has to have some sort of back end, right? Whether it's exactly. A... So mm -hmm. the the question is whether it's going to be um, whether it's going to be an ABAP backend system, but there's going to be a backend system. But def definitely there's going to be um, SAP ERP system in place uh, for a very long time still. So uh, well, you, you sometimes hear these these stories about ABAP is dead and stuff. Uh, I have difficulties to believe that. Yeah, as long as you've got this enterprise system, um, if it's in ABAP, you're going to need to keep writing it, even if you have an uh, iOS app on the front. I think the, the point is that people need to learn about different uh, user interfaces and, and devices, right? Exactly. So, the, um, so this has been a great 
conversation is probably um, uh, something we could talk about for days. And I'd, I'd like to invite people to continue to engage online about this conversation. Maybe also um, a couple closing questions. First of all, if this is if this is really a big deal, what is the big deal about this for both SAP and for Apple? I think the big deal is um, this uh, change of uh, how how your how your business operates. Normally, when you uh, want to digitize how your business operates, you start with things like probably HR parts or uh, things like that. But I think the the big change here is uh, focus on the user and not necessarily on uh, the business process. And I think this is where um, SAP and Apple together, yeah, can really make things happen. I'm, I would agree with what he said, but I would also add to that. I mean, so you, you're you're taking this enterprise application where end users were having to talk to many backend systems, and now they can talk to one app that have this sort of human integration, the hit that's brought to it around the device. But then from a developer perspective, um, it's a little bit easier. It's not fragmented when you look at it from an iOS perspective. You're you're sort of only coding for two, maybe three different um, different uh, fragmentation and only different devices, as it were, right? So where Samsung it gets a much longer, sorry, not just Samsung, but Android is a much longer path, and there's multiple devices you have to program for. So the ease of getting there is just one other thing. Yeah, I think the big deal about um, Apple working with SAP is that uh, the footprint of Apple uh, within the enterprise uh, segment of the market hasn't been uh, as big as they probably wanted. And I think um, SAP can really accelerate that uh, by embracing them and getting them um, uh, introduced at their customer sites as well. At the other side, I think it, it's, it's, it would also be, I mean, there's no doubt that the whole marketing machine of Apple is, is huge and, and totally awesome. <laughs> uh, no, no doubt about it. And I think um, with the uh, partnership that SAP and Apple have together, I bet that um, uh, SAP is going to leverage that as well from the Apple side of, of things that once Apple is uh, promoting SAP's uh, iOS SDK, that it has uh, mutual benefits in that sense. Fantastic. Okay, that's a great set of uh, d three different insights, um, similar and different. Um, this has been a great conversation. One final question, you're, you're, you're an SAP developer and you want to get started today. Where would you go? Well, there first of all, don't be scared of it. If, don't be scared. If, if, <laughs> yeah, don't be scared of it because the, once you have, uh, once you're an SAP developer and you have started to develop uh, UI5 applications already, um, which, in my opinion, is quite unavoidable at the moment, um, you will see quite some similarities. I mean, it, there's, apart from the similarities in the in the language that we just spoke about, uh, we have, for instance, the Mentor app, which is very comparable to the Explorer app. Um, that um, lives in the UI5 uh, community. And if you look at, for instance, the assistant, it's very comparable to what we have in WebID templates. You'll see that there's quite some commonalities between uh -huh. the development environments. And that both of the um, uh, development uh, uh, pro teams have had a look at how things are going at their side and have stolen a couple of the best practice, if you like. That's great. Okay. Um, any other comments? So you're, you're, let's say you're an Apple developer. How would you, how would you get started today? Uh, yeah, I think if you're an Apple developer, uh, you probably go to developer.apple.com/slash/and then SAP. Um, yeah, you get yeah basically the the same page as an SAP developer would get on 
developer.srp.com. Okay, great. Um, you get the link to the SDK download, uh, why the SDK is there, and uh, why it helps you uh, create better enterprise applications. Okay, great. So uh, developer.apple.com slash SAP and developer.sap.com. That makes it easy. Um, Scott, any other um, quick links for people to bookmark while we're at it? Well, uh, the sap.com forward slash Apple link um, is one I would also promote here where they can get to it and they'll be able to find links to multiple different areas. One um, which was mentioned here is around the, the Fury for iOS. So this is the user experience. These are, if you want to call them widgets, the, from the check mark to um, the second keyboard page to analytics examples. So these are the items that are built into the SDK to help um, rapid uh, development take place so you don't have to recreate the wheel every time. So this has all the different examples. And the Mentor app um, <clears throat> also puts this all together in a nice iPad application so you can easily find all that. So if you, don't, if you can't get to sap.com forward slash Apple, the Mentor app is another way. And there's a lot of other little nice little nuggets of usefulness inside that Mentor app that I love. Okay. All right, excellent. Well, just uh, one more time, sap.com slash Apple. And I think we need to wrap it up with that since this is a this, this is a, a, a very involved and great interview. Maybe we can have you guys come on back again sometime to, uh, to talk about it. Let's see, it's the most elegant language ever. Swift, according to Robin, it didn't take him very long to, to get to that point to see it. And you can follow Robin and Jan both um, and read their blogs if you go to the SAP community. You can get there by going to sap.com and choosing community. Um, so with that, I think I want to thank Jan Penikoff, Robin Fanthoff, and Scott Stedman um, for joining us today. This has been great. Please come on again, guys. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that was such a great interview with Jan and Robin and Scott. We could have gone on forever. We're going to wrap up this podcast, as always, with a peek at a couple events around the corner. And I think Mike is here again. So, Mike, do you want to help me uh, peek into what some of the major events are coming up? Absolutely. So for the major events between May 10th and 11th, uh, we're going to be at the O'Reilly OzCon, and SAP is sponsoring that particular event. On May 15th, uh, it's going to be the ASUC pre-conference um, where you can, you know, please sign up today. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of uh, things that are going on. We have our own special uh, event there. As and you're going to be there, right, Mike? I am. So you're going to hear me talk a little bit about our roadmap uh, because a lot of things are coming out right around Sapphire time frame. But you've got to get your ticket really soon for that pre-conference. It's a special extra ticket, but you get to meet Mike. And a few other people, and too, others so from our team. I wish I was the only tomatoes. special one there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then following uh, right after that is going to be uh, Sapphire Now between May 16th and 18th, and coming up in June we've got uh, the Cloud Foundry Summit in Santa Clara, where SAP will SAP Cloud Platform will be there big time, and the dates for that are June 13th through the 15th. Okay, great. And then uh, just let's talk about a couple of code jams because things are really hot there. Um, there's a lot of code jams and inside tracks happening around the world. Um, just around the corner next week, April 25, there's an exclusive code jam on IoT services that's in Warsaw, Poland. And then following that on May 12, there's uh, you can get it hands-on with SAP Cloud Platform with Java, and that's going to be in Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, May 13, also in Serbia, in Novosad. It's a code jam on SAP Cloud Platform. 
And following that, in Poland, on May 27, there's uh, this time in Roklau, there's an SAP Inside Track. And then, as if that's not enough, there's a code jam in Madrid on May 30th as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on. A reminder that anyone can request a code jam. They happen all around the world. Just send any inquiries to sapcojam at sap.com, and you can maybe bring, bring one to your city. Huh, Mike? That's right. Yeah, we'd love to see you here. Bring one, bring one to California for us. And that about wraps it up for episode 28 of the SAP Cloud Platform Podcast. Remember to keep engaging with us online. Uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know your iOS thoughts. Uh, you can tweet us at SAPCP. And we'll be listening and looking forward to your contributions. Till yeah. then, this has been episode 28 of the SAP Cloud Platform Podcast on April 30th, 2017. Uh, look forward to us in the next episode in May. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Goodbye. The SAP HANA Cloud Platform Podcast is powered by OpenSAP. OpenSAP is SAP's innovative learning platform and a thought leader for enterprise massive open online courses. It provides you with an engaging and effective learning experience through gamification and by connecting you with other learners and SAP experts. OpenSAP courses are free of charge and are offered in English. Enroll today to one of our OpenSAP courses on open.sap.com.